Jordy, the 6'7 sophomore from East Meadow, New York. Leadership is learned. A starter on Coach Dean Smith's legendary 1982 Tar Heels National Championship team with Michael Jordan. Jordan comes down with a rebound. Clears it away to Darty. Darty going in against Floyd. For the layup, it's good. Leadership is earned. Head coach at the University of North Carolina and the University of Notre Dame. You notice Matt Doherty. He is up working every second of this ballgame. Leadership is taught. Public speaker, author, and executive coach. And leadership does not require a title. This is the Rebound Podcast with Coach Matt Doherty. Welcome to the Rebound Podcast. I am Matt Doherty and I'll be your host. On this podcast, we focus on the topic of leadership and overcoming adversity in an open and raw kind of way. We discuss failures and how to rebound from them. I became passionate about leadership after being forced to resign from my coaching job at North Carolina in 2003. I went on a leadership journey and realized it may be the most undertaught topic in formal schooling, yet may be the most important. John Beeline is one of college basketball's most, most successful coaches. He won 829 games. John is the only coach to have 20 win seasons at four different levels, only one of six Division I coaches with over 700 wins. He led Michigan to two NCAA Final Fours, and then left Michigan in 2019 to coach the Cleveland Cavaliers. John, congratulations on a heck of a career. I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Matt. This is you're right. Uh, this is a, this is great to be on. First of all, but leadership. I began studying it and uh, building cultures and things like that, which is leadership. Um, probably the second half, really the second half of my 45 years as a head coach. And I wish, I think we'll talk about it today. I wish I knew more about it that first half because it, it caused a lot of pain and agony early, but uh, it all worked out pretty well. And I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. What, what triggered your desire halfway through your 45 year career to do a deeper dive on leadership? I think that uh, you grow up, and Matt, I'm older than you, but I think you, you understand this. I think you grow up in a society in the, in the 50s, 60s, and even to the 70s, where you're basically still being educated by depression uh, parents, who, who I, mean the, I mean the Great Depression, the World War II uh, parents. And I think you, you grow up with this idea that uh, adversity is just part of life, and that you got to suck it up and get through it. And you, you don't really try to understand it. You just, you just like, all right, this is what happens. And when you think what happened to our parents and their parents and whatever, uh, it's amazing that what they had to do to just get through life. And, and uh, you, you're, you're, you're an Irish and a Catholic and mm-hmm. I'm half, I'm all Catholic, but half Irish. And that was sort of the mentality that I grew up with is, hey, this is this is the you got to rebound. You just got to rebound. You have no other option than to rebound. And that's how I took it for the first half of my career. And it it got us through. It was kind of basically will kill you if you don't understand it a little bit better. Yeah, it's kind of a badge of honor to say that. That's right. Yeah, I overcame the depression. I overcame this. I overcame injury. I overcame a tongue lashing from my coach. I overcame what, yep. what, 
you know, was there a moment in time where you said, there's more to this and I've got to study it? Uh, you know, who was the first person? What was the first book that impacted you uh, halfway through your career? Well, I, th- I think about halfway through, and it, it really came when I got to the highest levels, when I became a Division One coach and really um, probably Richmond and West Virginia, not as much Canisius, uh, but when I started to really on this path where there was there's bigger crowds, there was more attendance, there was more speculation. I started to feel to creep up on me and really bother me mm-hmm. that I wasn't losses were losses were really bothering me more than they should. I mean, they still did right to the end. I never really got 100% control of it. But I don't think there was anything other than you can't keep going living on this. You can't. Every loss cannot be life or death. You know, you have to find other ways to get through these dilemmas. And uh, I think that particularly when I got to West Virginia and then without question, when I got to Michigan, the back was against the wall a little bit. And, and I had to you know, do it one more time, try and turn another program around. It wasn't so good. When you look at back at my experience in the, in Richmond, the first year, or, no, in, in Canisius, the second year we go to the NCAA turn, or, or we go to the, we win the championship. The fourth year, we go to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. It's the only time I've gone in 50 years. Mm-hmm. I go to Richmond the first year. Uh, they, I'm left with uh, a great. Uh, Bill Dooley left me a great team at Richmond, mm-hmm. and we uh, we go to the NCAA tournament the first year, upset South Carolina, West Virginia. By the third year, we were in the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, we I, we could do this. Let's go to Michigan. Right. And all of a sudden, <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't that way. We didn't get to the NCAA tournament the second year, but. The third year, we had a terrible year. We were 15 and 16. We lost on a half-court shot to Ohio State, of all people. And, and I just uh, – and we were picked 11 out of 11 going into year, year four with a new AD. Oh, gosh. So I think I'd been learning this, I think, when video really got to be where you could have it on a computer and it was much more easier to learn from mistakes in the game for both you and your coaches. Mm-hmm. I think the combination of that – pressure i, I want to add to it that in michigan i owed michigan i owed west virginia 1.5 million dollars as part of my buyout which i personally paid back mm-hmm. and as a result there's a lot of things going on you can't you can't mess up or you you're not gonna be able to pay this off mm-hmm. so all those things added up and i just hey there's got to be a better way and i i listened to assistance I began reading more about this growth mindset and setting core values. And also it's not, now you're, you know, you're probably coaching, probably coaching like 800, 900 games by that point. I think you have enough big data in your mind mm-hmm. to say, I did live after all those losses mm-hmm. <laughs> and that you can't get, you said I have over 800 wins. Well, I also have 400 losses. So you can't get to 800 wins without the 400 loss. At least I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Not when you're turning programs around. So I, I don't think there was any pivotal moment to other than almost a necessity for my own well-being that I had to look at this differently. And that's when things really changed at the University of Michigan. You you touch on something that I think is very important. Uh, I, I, I call them truth tellers and mining for the truth and creating an environment in your organization with your staff that they can come to you with mm-hmm. with 
a truth or an idea that you need to hear. And, and mm-hmm. there were times in my career, I know I'd soft bully them. You know, I'd look away. Yep. I'm like, hey, I've got a call or we'll get to that later, as opposed to welcoming that, sitting down. What's the issue? Okay, thank you for sharing that with me and, and praising that action. Because if you, you know, I say this, if you don't mind for the truth, you don't manage the truth, the truth will manage you right out the door. So, yeah. so how did you create that environment with, you know, listening to your assistants? That sounds very fundamental, but not a lot of coaches do it. Not a lot of CEOs do it. Well, I, I think that, that, you know, I taught leadership this year at University of Michigan, uh, two semesters of it, leadership and coaching. And part of that was that we had some great speakers on. And one of them, Brian Towson, who teaches leadership at Michigan, had a great quote that you could use in the future, that you had to create a culture that can bear the weight of honesty. Wow. Love it. I love quotes. Create a culture that bears the weight of honesty. And I, I think what, what happened was I was, I talk about, I grew up on a farm, Matt, and, and uh, we prune, we, we, you prune uh, a fruit farm yep. and you prune the trees. You, you, you got, you know, a, pe- a peach tree, you have 20, 20 little peaches growing on it in June and you, you, you take 15 of them, knock them to the ground. So you have five really big peaches because that's what people want mm-hmm. and you get pruned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I'd been pruned. I'd been pruned in those first three years at Michigan that it wasn't, I could not get out of this thing unless I embraced change, listened to, listened to more people and didn't uh, we used to get and like we had great success at, at Canisius and I wouldn't have got to Michigan if we hadn't had success at Canisius Richmond in West Virginia. But as you know, there's a Peter principle. Maybe that's all the further you can right. go and you're going to you're, you're going to lose out here. You're going to mess this thing up. So you just say, well, I got to change. Well, and I, one of those yeah. changes would be listening to my assistants about let's let's educate our team. Let's teach culture more than just i would just live it this is the culture you know we're always on time we respect each other you know we just did all the normal things that your high school coach you know that bob mckillop did with you and everybody has done that dean smith did and all these things that was normal right. we just it just sort of it threw and you were there for four years and uh, people didn't get fired as, as fast and all these things and through osmosis, we'd get it. You'd right. become a Carolina guy. You'd, you, you'd, you'd become a good coach. When your back was to the wall, my assistants, can, and this is Val Jordan, the coach at Butler, yep. uh, now Bakari Alexander, who, who is it, it, head coach of Detroit and uh, Denver recently, uh, Jeff Meyer, a longtime assistant of mine and former head coach at Liberty. Yep. And they sort of convinced me, let's let's try something different. Let's teach it. And Brian Townsend, this, who was our director of basketball. And so uh, if I can go on with the story, it, 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 Please, it's I love a little this wild, stuff. But what happens is we're we're picked 11th out of 11 teams in the Big Ten. This is my fourth year. And we have a new athletic director, yep. Dave Brandon, one of the best leaders I've ever been around. And. It is, it is like, all right, this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, we've been to the NCAA. Now, Michigan, Michigan hadn't been to the NCAA tournament 11 years. So we go the second year. So mm. all is fixed. No, it's not. No. No, it's not. We talk, we, you and I have already talked about this. We had, in my 12 years there, we had to rebuild three different times in 12 years. You don't just rebuild 
go to the NCAA tournament, and that's it. We, we got it made. Everybody else is working, too. Right. Everybody else is working. You're not out working anybody. And so uh, they said, Coach, we know who you are, be, or we wouldn't be here with you. But the players, you have an all-new new team. The players don't know who you are, and, and we don't have time to go through the normal four-year process. We have to begin teaching it, and we have to, what are your core values? What's most important to you? And I said, this is corny, man. I'm telling him, this is corny, man. Right. This is not, you want to put up all these signs and you want to do all this stuff. They'll just get it. No, coach, let's teach it. So I bought in. I, I had no other that, choice. That, 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 that's just amazing. That, that, that's amazing. And, and maybe because you were on the verge, you know, of like, okay, I got to, I got to, I got to, I'm giving up to a, to a higher power. I'm at a, yep. this is not a, I need help. You know, and to have the staff, and probably with Jeff's, Jeff Meyer being a veteran coach, you know, not afraid, maybe he had a better relationship with him. I, I talk about having an assistant coach that on their business card, it has their name and the title is Truth Teller. And so that's like a pass. So they can yep. come to you anytime yep. and say, I need to talk to you and you need to listen. And, and so you listened. I mean, that's, that, that, that's over half the battle. So I love it because I'm big on core values, and, and I've been studying. I'm an executive coach now with Vistage, and I, I teach culture. I teach leadership like you're teaching leadership. And one of the things, a great book, is Culture by Design by David Friedman, and it's intentional. It's teaching mm -hmm. culture like you're talking about because we go into a Starbucks, and you feel it, and you go into a Dunkin' Donuts, and you feel it. You feel the culture. But somebody's driving that culture intentionally and teaching it. And he goes through how they do it. And the way he explained it with daily huddles, with fundamentals throughout the organization, it's what Dean Smith did with us. Every day at practice, he'd have a thought of the day. He'd have an offensive emphasis of the day, a defensive emphasis of the day. I mean, let's say the offensive emphasis was hit the first open man you see. And when we got to the huddle, if we didn't know the offense and defensive emphasis and the thought of the day, which would be a quote from someone like Martin Luther King, he, he'd call on you. If you didn't know, the team had to get on the baseline and run a half court and back, which is nothing, right? But a slap on the wrist. And then in practice, he'd empower the assistants. If I caught the ball and didn't hit the first open man, Coach Fogler might raise his hand and say, Darty didn't hit the first open man. Then my team would get on the baseline and run a half court and back. And so that drove the behavior that mm -hmm. drove success, that drove the culture, that drove success. So what, what are your core values? Because Well, let, let me go back to you talking about the culture here. So this is another quote. And this is a guy from, that actually I, I believe is – uh, has taught at North Carolina before, Jeff Jansen. I don't know if you've heard of Jeff. Jeff is a leadership. But a good culture is like a, a, a is like a, a, well, no, a culture is like an immune system. And if you have a great culture, it just like if you take care of your body and you are, you really, you eat right, you drink right, you exercise, you're going to have a strong immune system. Right. And you're going to be able to fight off the little diseases that come into your body. Right. And culture is the same way. That if you take have a good culture, you're gonna you're gonna have ups and downs in, in in life in your your season. But if you if you don't take care of that, 
like Dean Smith did every day of teaching these little things. Now, when when adversity hits, right, just like someone who is obese and does not exercise and does not take care of themselves, doesn't eat right. All of a sudden they, they get sick and they get really sick. Right. And so that's, 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 that's why this culture is so, so big. So we we're sitting, we're actually in Europe, uh, Matt, we are, we are over there playing. We played three, four games in Belgium. It's, and, and we're all freshmen and sophomores. Tim Hardaway is a freshman at this time, Tim Hardaway jr. Yep. And we, we say we're, we win the last game miracle. I don't know how we win it. Cause we've been getting killed. We played a really good team. We played well, but it gave us hope. And he says, coach, let's sit down. The team, the team went out for the last night in Europe. And like we sat in the, in a, in, I think it was a lobby or something. And we talked about what was important to me. And I came up with them and we spent the next two months putting this together, this core value. So here it is. Uh, well, so for, I, for, I, one, one thing I want to interrupt two months. See this this, this that that's the critical that's very, like that's important because people and you touched on it earlier. Oh, let me come up with some core values and they usually have too many and then they put yep. the signs on the wall but yep. they don't they don't live it. Yep. And 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 they don't take the time to really do a deep dive on what is important like you and your staff did. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we examined every word as we went through this. I mean, we would the mission statement, the the um, the, the but the core values. But they came out. We ended up put them in an acronym to remember if everybody remember them. But they're not in order of importance. But it's it, it's called you paid, you paid, and you. What was important to me first of all was have great a great team that was team first all the time. The mm-hmm. team, the team, the team. Bo Schembechler at Michigan. So that was unity. Mm-hmm. It was a core value that I wanted it one that was like your North Carolina teams. You know, it was right. always about the team. Right. Right. Pash. Uh, I want a team that loved basketball, loved Michigan, loved each other. So passion mm-hmm. was the P in it mm-hmm. that with that, that we're going to teach it every day, you know, about our, our relationship with each other, with his coaches, teach them about the university, its history, all these things to go with it. Appreciation. I wanted the team that had an attitude of gratitude mm-hmm. and that we were known for the way we conducted ourselves off the court. And we showed gratitude everywhere for uh, be, having this being blessed with a body and a, and a, and the resources and the education at a place like Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then the most important one is fourth, but we, it, it didn't fit any other way was, right. <laughs> is integrity. That that we were known as as this group of recruiters that were never gonna never gonna fudge off the line of integrity, and, and so we said, hey, this, this goes with our team as well. We're gonna touch every line when we're doing sprints. Right, right. right. We're gonna pay. We're gonna pay. You can't cheat. You can't cheat the game of basketball. Right. So if you're not running a lane, that's a lack of integrity. You right. know, in, in some ways, if if you you t- you're not w- willing to go in there. You know, and 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 you think you can cheat the game? It's a lack of integrity, and then lacks of diligence. We realized uh, the Big Ten at that time and at other times as well was a monster, mm-hmm. and and uh, it is now. And we, we're not going to just if we just put in work. It's not everybody's working, but we can't do any of this without work. But if I go back to integrity, Matt, if I have the hardest working team, they love each other. They appreciate everything. They're, un- they're a great team, 
but they don't have they they shortcut everything or or they lie, cheat, or steal to each other, it all goes away. Mm-hmm. You can have you can miss passion sometimes, or you can miss appreciation if you have integrity. But you can't you everything starts and stops with that. Mm-hmm. So we taught we taught this you paid, I mean virtually film session every day, just like with um, uh, the quotes that we would have, just like uh, Dean and Roy did at North Carolina. These things are, were huge to us, and it sped up the our culture, and it got us to that point where you know we we became a really one of the certainly a top ten team in uh, in college basketball for the the, the whole de- the decade from. 2010 to 2020, and now Juwan is doing the same thing. He's mm-hmm. picked right up because Miami Heat had a great culture. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the, the story behind it, but I had I got pruned, and yeah. it took me to that point. <laughs> and pruned. others should know, you don't have to get pruned to do this. Right. It's, not, it's, not, uh, it's not corny, and it's not just some luck. It's, it's essential whether you're – because handling prosperity is harder than handling adversity. We had to do it because of adversity. Are people willing to handle it when things are going well and say, you know what? Changes are right around the corner and we have to have that culture ready to withstand it. To, mm-hmm. to once again, to bear the weight of honesty. Mm-hmm. What is the most important thing? You know, you have this culture or you have this plan. You have this and you're all excited about it, right? Coach Smith would say, uh, start how you finish. And, and it was kind of a confusing comment, but it, what he meant was when you go with something, when you make a decision, you better stay with it and see it through. What, what, how did you instill your culture to the staff, to your team, to the managers, to mm-hmm. everybody that touched your organization? Well, it's and I love that you you separate that into three different groups because it's true. And this is one thing I learned from one of my athletic directors. I, I was fortunate in Michigan to have two two presidents and four athletic directors, uh, and they all taught me more things about leadership. Uh, but the the whole idea leader, leadership, first of all, is you get into this thing is if you're going to do this, you got to lead the right way. Mm-hmm. And leadership. Here's another quote, Matt. Leadership is is not a position. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And you have really three different groups there that I used to have my team. That's all I cared about was my team. Mm-hmm. And my staff was my staff. And, and I learned through the process of this that, wait a minute, I have, I have three teams. I have I really, actually four. I have the alumni and all those, the, the students. But that my staff, they, you know, as you get – Bigger in your like at, at Lemoyne when I was a coach, I didn't have a staff, so I didn't have to worry about this. But all of a sudden, I got a staff of you know eight to ten people at Michigan, and I didn't I didn't see them as part. I saw them as yeah, they were all there working together, but I had to build relationships with them mm-hmm. just as much as I did with the team. Which you're always thinking about how's he doing today? How's your best player? How's your how's the problem kid doing? You're always worried about them, but you don't you don't go just stop and stop by the secretary's office and ask her how her children are doing or stop in and you know it's somebody's birthday or or you know that you know someone's had had parents are sick just showing that those type of things yep. so and then your managers the people that are behind the scenes 
I made it. We had a ton of managers. We had 15 managers out there at the court. I made it made a practice of thanking every one of them every day mm-hmm. at the end of practice. Mm-hmm. There's only a couple of them got scholarships. Mm-hmm. And you, you go into this thing. And again, if you live, it's not a position. It's a lifestyle. That's they when they see you live in the core values. Yep. Then they will just follow right along. And, and, and you're teaching it and you're giving the good examples of it. And it's hard sometimes to do that. Because you just sometimes you just want to go home or you just you don't. But you it's it's if you're you can't. I say all the time, you can't have one of these positions in leadership. None of us usually complain on payday. Right, right. You don't want to do all the little things that come with leading. Right. But you, you like getting that paycheck. Right. So it comes with this thing. And so I just embraced it and said, I'm going to I'm going to really be intentional about how I carry myself everywhere. And as you know, with the NCAA, that became huge with did the did the uh, coach show a, uh, what's it called, Matt? Institutional it's, control or? Yeah, uh, yeah, institutional. Yeah. Did, did he show, a, was he intentional with his compliance mm-hmm. rules? We, our compliance meetings used to be, you know, so they'd be intense and I'd make everybody email me back that they understood them and all those things because that's one thing that can take you down. Yep. But I was showing there when they had that big bust up, you know, three, I guess it was three or four years ago with the FBI and all that stuff. Yes. My, my president, my AD says, we don't have anything to worry about at all. And I said, absolutely not. We're all sleeping like babies because in, in, I always believed in following the spirit of the rule instead of instead of finding ways around rules right what's the spirit of this rule it's an evaluation period you can't talk with anybody so don't do it right and, and so it le- it allows you to go on to bigger and better things if you are building these relationships with your uh, with your staff and and sh- demonstrating it every day that's what leaders have to do there's no option yeah well when you have core values you know unity passion appreciation integrity diligence, what are the uh, Simon Sinek um, uh, talks about, you know, turning the core values and the behaviors into verbs, you know, like, so, okay, what is when you say unity and everyone says team first? Okay. Yeah. Like I get it, but tell me the behavior that you're trying to teach that day to show, to, to develop that culture. What, what is, what is the, action what is the verb i think that you're in a game and I, you guys started at north carolina by pointing at people right but like we would we would we watch film matt we watch more film than anybody in the country I, I swear before every practice we watch 30 or 40 minutes of film before every before every practice every day as a team and, as a team yeah as a team yeah, gotcha. as a team because you know they get they get they had their study hall and then we we, we we had study hall first and then we'd go right to that at like 3 30 or 4 but we would sit there and watch somebody's good pass to somebody uh, over and over and over again. See, look at how he landed on to look at the beautiful spin. on. Look how he set up his shooter talk forever. And by the way, it would be later on. Be, I, by the way, Tim Hardaway, that was a really good shot. <laughs> but, 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 but Trey Burke set you up. Right. Do you want to, you understand? And then, and that, that way it's just when they see the guy that when you replay the time that the guy dove on the floor and kept the ball alive, when you, we had a situation, this is, we had a young man named S.O. Akune. He was, uh, Paris came over from Nigeria uh, and he be, went, ended up being born in the United States and just an incredible story with his family. And he was a pretty good player when he's a walk-on. 
And he was sort of a guy off the bench. This is a great, great example of this. And this is in 2013 when we go to the national championship game, lose to Louisville. And we had a young freshman, a skinny 6'7", 160-pound guy named Karis LeVert. <laughs> yeah, how and about that? He's going into games. He's not. We're going to redshirt him because, like I said, he's 6'6 and 160. We're going to redshirt him. So then we see in a game that, man, we – we're, if we want, we have a good team, but he's killing us in practice. So I go to Esso Okune, who, and I say Esso, I'm going to, we're going to make a change here. Karis, Karis wants to burn the red shirt. We do. And he says, coach, and it's going to be your time. And he said, coach, I get it. I'm watching it too. But don't dare burn that red shirt and not play him more than I'm playing. How about you got to play him. If you're going to burn it, you have to play him. Because that's the best thing for the team. And I like, instead of complaining about himself, Matt, he's, Esso is saying, you're doing the right thing, coach, but don't like, yeah, don't give have, him a chance. Don't have f- it. Make sure. Yeah, you, that's right. Yeah. Don't just do it because he wants to do it. This has got, and so he played about 10 minutes a game the rest of that year. Hit, I think he had four threes in the final four against the Syracuse zone and against uh, Louisville. Um, and then now he's a star in the NBA. But yep. it, it, those things, I would see the senior, Matt Vogridge, Blake McClymonds in that 13 year, they're pulling over the freshmen who are playing in front of them in, in timeouts and talking with them about what they need to do in the game. And I saw the same thing, uh, Sean Lonergan, Andrew Dockage, Dan Dockage's son, right, in 18 when we go to the national championship, getting Jordan Poole, Isaiah Livers. Duncan Robinson would be pulling people over and saying, you know, this is what you have to do in order to to win. This is these are this is what winning looks like. Yep. And you listen to the coach on these things. So we would talk about those things all the time, and um, that's that's how you put it into action. And they got to know the why, and you give them history of the why. You know, you give them you you give them these core values work. And I, I think one of the things that used to always get them mad, I used to say, "Do you think Duke's not doing this?" You think I invented this? <laughs> you know, like you just said, you think Starbucks is doing this or or Ritz Carlton, which is another culture to study. Yep. You think they're doing this because they just made it up? No, they've learned this from other people. I learned this at clinics. I've learned this from mistakes. Mm-hmm. This this happens. And therefore you get to this point where it is in action and they're just doing what uh others have have taught them to do. Yep. Coach, in, in uh, my leadership practice, I work with CEOs, um, and and I go to clinics now. They're just talking about business instead of, uh, um, you know, the the, uh, the, the, the pick-and-roll offense. Two-three zone? Yeah, two-three zone. <laughs> um, and the biggest, I'd say, one of the biggest concerns right now is recruiting. I mean, it's so funny, the parallels between sports and business. They're biggest concern is recruiting talent retaining training talent and retaining talent um and you know the culture you just talked about you know you've coached over 45 years you said yep so you know four and a half decades you've seen changes so now you teach leadership what do you say to people that are trying to recruit you know, this generation that 
everyone says is entitled, they're lazy, they don't want to work, they want the title before they deserve it. What do you? What would you tell XYZ Corporation uh, and their HR department how to go ahead, go about it? Here's what I'd tell XYZ: is that the most important recruits you have are the ones you already have on your staff. That's that's number one. You got to re-recruit them every day to to in your core values, in your beliefs that you you know you you can. I think what what is called the 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 two R manager. Mm-hmm. You can only re, you first you got to relate with them before you can require things from them. Mm-hmm. And as a result, that's the most important thing. Don't like be looking. Oh, we got to get more better guys. We got to get better guys. He maybe they may be in the office next to you. you. He's just waiting for delegation. He's waiting for owners to to be able to assume some ownership of of his own fate mm-hmm. a bit. And so that was the number one thing. We were, we were, we, we were very intentional about who we selected. Matt, we were, the, we were the last people ever to offer a scholarship because I didn't want, to, I didn't want a kid for the wrong reasons, just because we offered him early or that I wasn't sure. Because mm-hmm. if I get the wrong guy, if we get the wrong guy, he could, he could beat us 35 times a year. <laughs> Right. Yeah. But if yeah. we get if we lose the right guy to another company, he only beats us once or twice a year. That's great. So, great, great so, perspective. Great perspective, coach. So I, we were like, yeah. all right, he really wants to go to Michigan, but they're not offering him a scholarship. And so we had this thing about offering scholarship. And this is this is like business world, too. There were three things they had to do in order to get a scholarship. They had to come visit us. They had to come visit us. I wanted them to, to show that they they had enough interest in Michigan mm-hmm. that they were going to come visit us. And whether it was an official visit or an unofficial visit, whether they paid or we paid, they had to come on campus and spend time with us. So I get to know them. Mm-hmm. Second, second thing, I needed to see their transcript. I didn't want to hear about their transcript. I wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times were they absent for school? Were they taking languages? What what was their what, that two point nine? What did it really look like on paper? What was their class rank, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Right. And the third thing, this this is I had to see, there's four things actually. I had to see him play in person. The only time I didn't do that was in Europe with two guys, two Joe Airbear and Mo Wagner, because they, it wasn't allowed for me to go and watch them play in Europe at that time. So I I had a real eye on video. But the last thing is really really is they had to tell that we had to be in their top three. Like there'd be times where someone would say, "Coach, you're in my top, my top 12. Right. And I would say, <laughs> no, no, we're not. not. No, we're not. I, not no. anymore. <laughs> now you have 11. Now you have 11. <laughs> yeah. Because if we're in the top 12, it's, it's okay. We ne- Matt, we never cared who we did not get. We cared who we got. Right. And so we were very intentional about taking this long look. And those that understood this, we're more apt to be invested in our culture, mm-hmm. in understanding who we were. And even though you, you just you're married to your mistakes in 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 uh, in basketball, and I made I made lots of those. Mm-hmm. But in the in the business world, you're married to them as well. Mm-hmm. And you get the wrong person, and they can't get it done. Everybody loses. Mm-hmm. Same thing with hiring your staff. Same thing with hiring your staff. You're. I, I say with hiring staff, there's, here's the three loyalties. Number one, University of Michigan. 
They're the ones that pay. Everybody says family first. No, you can't feed your family if you are not doing well at Michigan. So number one was University of Michigan. Number two was my family. Right. And number three was old friends and buddies or whatever. So what's best for Michigan is best for my family. Right. And that's where friendships and loyalty and things like that had to take a wayside. Loyalty could not. My loyalty was to two other people, Kathleen, and the, you know, the Michigan and Kathleen and the kids. Right. Right. No, no, that makes sense. All right. Now, a big topic in business is onboarding. So you recruit these players. Mm-hmm. You know, the first day of work, let's say, you know, the first day they show up, the person shows up at work, is their computer set up? Do they have their business cards? Do they have a desk? Uh, is, you know, to put somebody put a plan on their desk? Does some, are they greeted? You know, does, is the boss there on their first day of work? Um, what was onboarding like for a new player at the University of Michigan? Well, I think that, you know, they, they would come in in the summertime and we would make sure that all their arrangements were taken care of, but they were invested in that. We weren't just doing, okay, we, we made them do the things because once again, we were intentional on who we selected mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they, they had to be the people who sort of got it, that this was the appreciation was huge. And they were, they were going to the university of Michigan or West Virginia and these things we were going to take care of, you know, taking care, assisting them with a lot of that onboarding, as you said, but they, they need to take ownership right away of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so as we went through that, su- that first summer, um, they would learn from mistakes. Uh, there was a few times over that summer that I said, Hey, you, you know, we we got that trip to, to Maui, to the Maui classic in November. But I see you're missing some summer school class. You missed a summer school class. You won't be on that trip if I see you miss another class. There you go. And, and so you, you're sort of what they they want. They they want the truth. They really want the truth. And they don't. They, we're empowering them by doing that. At the same time, we weren't going to. There's 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 three there's three things that sort of fit in here a little bit that. Uh, and I, I got this. I, I hate name dropping, but I, I don't want to think I, anybody think I thought of these things. But when I left the Cavaliers this past year, I went down to spring training for the first time. And uh, it's actually second time. But I'm a big St. Louis Cardinal fan, mm-hmm. like the big, the biggest probably east of the Mississippi. And I ended up going to camp and meeting with John Mazalek, their their team president, their GM. G, we used to be their GM. And I said, what leadership has changed? What What do you think are really important? And, and we taught them in my class, now I call it the VET, V-E-T, that you need to, with, with, every, with everybody, with your onboards, with your, your veterans, vulnerability, V-E-T, vulnerability. You have to show vulnerability yep. as a leader. Yep. That, that you're making mistakes. I, I miss this one. Or, you know, all of a sudden there's, there's something wrong in a six foot 10 guy, right? Doesn't, didn't have a, a six foot 10 inch bed like he should have. He's got this one that's, that's maybe made for smaller people. Right. You said, my bad. Why? I don't know how that got by me, but my bad. We're going to fix that right away. Yep. Right. So vulnerability, same thing happens with games, with, with courses they're taking, with how you treat them in practice. Sometimes you lose your temper. You need to say, you know what? That wasn't me. I don't know why I said that. That was wrong. Mm-hmm. So but number one, empathy is huge. That I think you have to understand is onboarding 
know, get to know that young man or woman right away because they, you don't know that their, their mother could be sick with cancer, yep. right? They could be coming from a very toxic relationship. Uh, they, could, they could have their own handicaps and their own problems. You show empathy, it means everything. Mm-hmm. And then transparency, you know, we, we did a thing where when you were allowed to work with kids in the summer, we didn't correct them. Once that became in, like later on, uh, we kept stats on them, but we never talked to them about it. We never said, boy, you're, you're, you're not shooting very well. When, when we were allowed to keep stats, which is those four hours a week in practice, we, you can't go into a pickup game and take stats. But during those four hours that the NCAA allows, and, and then we'd have a great shooter who would say, yeah, how'd you shoot this? Oh, sure. Coach, I shot it great. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it says here you are, you, you, you are 10 for 60, you know, yep. you're 10 for 60 over the summer. And Duncan Robinson is 30 for 60. Right. So that's transparency, Matt. That's, that, that's the real truth. And it would get that where we didn't go in and say, hey, we're going to change your shot. Right. It's too slow or whatever. We, was, we would let them sort of fail a little bit and then go in and try to fix what we think where their blind spots were mm-hmm. and then just grow from there because you can't jump, go on and do everything for them. And you can't tell them they're doing everything wrong right away. And you got to let them see where they are. And if you're intentional with who you recruit, who is on that team, who's on that bus, it makes a big difference in dealing with that onboarding. Mm, love it. What's Bob McKillop's good friend of yours, good friend of mine. Great friend. And, yes. and we talk of Bob McKillop at Davidson College, Coach Steph Curry, um, uh, two-time MVP in the NBA. Um, we talk about coaching scars, you know, where you've done something as a coach, you said something to a player that as it's coming out of your mouth, you realize you regret it. Yep. Yeah. Can you remember? <laughs> I, I tell this one all the time. We had a young man at one of the places and, and I'm not going to bring up the place or the guy, but he was a, he was an in- incredible shooter going through a slump and we're playing in a game. And he, he's like, oh, for six, we're down at halftime. And I end up blistering him at halftime. Oh, God. You're supposed to be a shooter. You know, you're, you're, you're letting the whole team down. You can't, you, 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 you're, you're supposed to be a great shooter. You're the worst shooter on this team. Oh, things like this. Oh, God. Very, help, very helpful things to say. Man. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. It really worked well. For Coaching one on one. Yeah. Yeah. For the, for the next three weeks, he did not make a shot. <laughs> so we're, we win, we lose, we win. We got we, we we have to come up with a pivotal last game, and I finally realized what had happened. And I called him in the office and said, "You know what? I really did you wrong in the locker room during that game at halftime. You are a great shooter, and it's affected you. Your minds, I messed up your mind. And forgive me, and just go out there and shoot it every time you have it tonight because I believe in you." Well, that night he goes, he goes out and goes like three for five from three. We win the game by three points, and I'll never be the same coach again. Yeah. And that's, that's why I say and that's, this is a long, long time ago. Yeah, no, because but you say, know what? You, you couldn't get away with that now. No, probably not. Right. But, but I, I, I said, be very careful. I tell every, every coach, what's the, what, what would be – what advice you give a young coach? I said, what you say in that locker room – after a game 
You're never as good as you look yep. after a great win. And you're definitely never as bad as you looked after a bad loss. And you'll say things in a locker room as a young coach in my first 10, 20 years that, that like our word, they didn't really help the team and they just made you feel better for a few minutes. Yep. And then, but you, but you, but you can, you can scar other people by that. And so it's so important. That's where you have empathy. That's where you, you're measured with how you react and think about it and go home and sleep on it and never, never be, there's other ways of getting your point across instead of saying, you know, that you're the worst shooter I've ever had. <laughs> you know, you, you end up saying, you know, you're going through a heck of a slump right, right. now. You got the message across, but I know you're going to get through this. You got the message across. You did the same thing, but you didn't demean the kid. Yep. So cause so many coaches would do that. And Matt, that's where change comes in. You could do that all day long when you when you were playing, yeah, in 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 high school and in college, and even as early coaching. You can't do that right now. Kids do not cannot adapt to that. And I've been watch. I've been coaching for forty eight years, so I've seen this change happen. And it's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing that a kid could have his phone on when you are giving one. And people are upset in the locker room. That's not a bad thing. Yep, because. Now you'll be, you, you'll have more empathy. You'll say the right words. And because it's not, it, it's wrong to coach that way. Well, Coach Smith was so far ahead of his time. After a game, he would come in and, and just say, bring it in. And we'd say the prayer. He wouldn't say anything about the game because yep. of what you just said. He said, no. there were times I got it. He says, I want to watch the film. So they would yep. spend, he would watch the film that night. Then they'd grade it the next morning as a staff for like three hours. Yep. And there were times he'd say, you know what? We played a lot better than I thought we did. We just lost yep. the game. All the time. And, and, and then sometimes after a win, he'd say, you know what? I'm really disappointed in you guys. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I used to remember the VHS tape. Oh, yeah. I used to walk into the video session before it was on computer. So this is Richmond Canisius. I have it in my hand. I said, I hold in my hands the truth. <laughs> the tr this is the truth. The truth. Because what we all saw last night not, might be the truth. And I would say, you know, I got on you for not taking a charge. And I can see, right, that you weren't in a position to take a charge. And that's on me. Right. Right. So it was these things. would, But I also, the, the other one said, oh, I couldn't take it. I wasn't in position. And I would say, I'd show the film. I said, all right, tell me when you weren't in position. <laughs> Or tell me where you didn't see this guy wide open for a three-point shot. Yeah. So it, it's a uh, th there's that transparency that you have to have, and when you're in doubt of what to say, shut the heck up. Shut up and don't say anything. Yeah, yeah, Coach. I could go on and on, man. This is uh, th this is great stuff. Um, I, I, I really appreciate the time. Um, uh, thanks for sharing. We learned a lot. Um, do you have a website or a Twitter that people can follow you or, or a blog or anything like that? No, I mean, they, uh, it, I, I don't do You know, they, I'm on, I've got a few of these things, but I, as I say, I taught the courses at the university of Michigan this past year. And I, I, I'm all, I'm just sort of doing it, uh, sporadically uh, one a week or something like that. But I, it's sort of word of mouth right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, no, I'm not doing anything, but uh, I, I have a high interest in it. Yeah. And so I've been doing a, a few for some companies, did 
one for State Farm and a few others recently just to just to because you're right. The coaches and this is this is why this is why why businesses hire student athletes and this is why businesses uh, are interested in hearing from coaches. We go through so much adversity and have to handle so much change. Uh, I was talking to you yesterday about I had no shot clock. Then the shot clock was 45. Then the shot clock was 35. Then the shot clock was 30. And then it was 24. Yeah. You know, there was there was no recruiting rules and there was all kinds of rules and there was different. Much, people have to adapt to change. Yeah. And, and the, but the leadership part is, is so huge. And if you do it with integrity, there's a famous quote, Matt, that I'll leave you with. And Shakespeare started it, and then I don't know who ended it, but I love the way they ended it. It said, some, some people are born great, and some people achieve greatness. And some people have greatness thrust upon them. Mm. So you think about that. Some people are born great. They're, they're the king. They're the prince. Some people achieve greatness. You see people that just work so hard, mm-hmm. and they get there. And then some people have greatness thrust upon them. They win the lottery, or they're just... It's just everything lungs. They didn't do anything, and all of a sudden they're they're great. Mm-hmm. But no legacy is as great as your honesty. Wow. And you think about all the people that have achieved greatness and went down yep. because of honesty and integrity, or just had greatness thrust upon them and had went down because of their honesty. Mm-hmm. It's huge. So you're always if you always can lay your head on the pillow at night, knowing that you did the 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 right thing the right thing, right? With good values, uh, life's a whole lot simpler and a lot more productive. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, coach, thanks again. Uh, Leadership is a learned behavior. You're a leader, whether you parent, a coach, a business owner, or a friend. We all lead in some way, shape, or form. Thanks for listening. I welcome any and all feedback. Reach me on Twitter. My handle is at Darty Matt.